Bloody Elbow presents the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey, everybody. This is the MMA, the sixth round post-fight show, the MMA whatever. Sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to y'all just from the closing moments of UFC fight night Cara France versus Albazi, UFC Vegas 74, going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, where Amir Albazi beat Kai Cara France. And at least if I'm looking over here at our uh, current chat screen, it, to the side here, I, I'm, I'm clearly seeing that that's a contentious opinion. I didn't actually need to go there. I've been on Twitter and on uh our Substack chat all evening, trying just interacting, throwing stuff around, all that kind of thing. And by the time I finished, we finished that fight was over, and we wrapped it up. And I'm sitting there being like, "Hey, forty-eight, forty-seven, Albazi. I think that's the score we're going to see here." Everybody was calling me an idiot. Absolutely everybody. So I'm feeling myself a little bit here. And that uh, you like feeling wrong. That's cool, dude. I, <laughs> I am. History is on my side. So history is written by the victors and the victor was the mayor of But But uh, I mean, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm, I take it you scored it for Car France, right? Fuck yeah. I scored it for the guy who did more damage throughout and landed more strikes. This is fighting. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? Like, whoa, what? Like, break it yeah, down for yeah. me, Zane. Like, how could you have possibly okay. scored this for Alba? I'm all ears, dude. Yeah. So, first of all, I am surprised entirely by what the, the strike count was by the time the stats started coming in with, uh, you know, because not not so much the car France outlanded Albazi over the whole thing. That wasn't a surprise. But I was surprised to see that Cara France landed double the strikes Albazi did in round one. I didn't really see that. I saw a pretty even round where neither guy really got a lot done. I think the, the, the most substantial, in my opinion, the most substantial part of that entire opening round was the very end of it when Albazi tried to do the McGregor showboat and put his hands mm-hmm. behind his back, and Kai fucking cracked him right down the pipe. I mean, that was and great. He, bust, you, he busted his nose with that, though. It didn't. I see. I didn't even. I I saw the punch land. I'm not saying that. I did not notice that it busted his nose. So to me, it was like one of those things that looked cool. It looked cool, but it was not. You know, I wasn't about to just be like, oh, yeah, because he did that stupid showboating thing and got punched for it. That was clearly the that that clearly means he had to lose the round. Sure, sure. So when I'm when I'm scoring the round live 
at the time in the moment. This is just, you know, I, I got to defend myself here. I'm saying, I think that was a really close, ugly toss-up round. My guess is judges are going to like the pressure that Albazi had more than Cara France working off his back foot. So I'm going to guess that it's going to go to Albazi. And so you're you're saying in your mind you thought that the judges would be scoring improperly, rewarding pressure over strikes. Well, I I just I thought I didn't. To me, the idea that Cara France outlanded Albazi clearly in that first round, I didn't see that. I saw a very even round. I thought Albazi would get it because he was on the front foot. Okay. Uh and. When I voiced that at the time, literally nobody had a problem with it. People were like, oh, I don't know. I thought maybe 10-9 Car France, but yeah, it could go either way. I could give you the first round could go either way. Very close. Very close. And, and then the second round, most people agreed that Albazi won. Car France is still, I see, outlanding Amir Albazi, but... Every judge, I believe, scored that round for Amir Albazi. And pretty much every score I saw out there was like, oh, now it's 1-1. Cara France lost that one. Or, you know, it was once again, these were very close rounds. Wasn't contentious to say, oh, I think Albazi won that round. Then you get, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't know for sure. So then you get round three. Where Albazi has three and a half minutes of control, has a really big sub attempt, and gets flurried on at the end of the round. And for me, the sub attempt is the biggest scoring criteria of that round. Not for me. He had he had Car France stretched way out, contorted into all kinds of positions, fighting that rear naked choke hard. That seemed like the biggest thing in the round to me. I would much rather have been in that rear naked choke than eating those elbows at the end of the round. Again, damage. Yeah. Like damage. You have yeah. one, hold on, one, one rear naked check, re- rear naked temp attempt the whole fucking time you have the back. One. And dude I, gets on top of you at the end and smashes you with elbows. You lose the round. And I. I would say that if you're scoring on who came closer to the fight, what more of the fight was grappling than striking, and in the grappling area, who came closer to finishing the fight, who did better in that grappling in that round? No, the strikes came from grappling. It was ground and pound. That's grappling. But it's but it was not closer to finishing the fight than the rear naked choke was. That's debatable. It's debatable, but you know, if I'm defending my position here, it's not more damage. It's it's not more damage, but I would say if I'm trying to debate who, if I'm looking at the criteria of like how I would score the grappling there, I would score that I would score the fight or that round of the fight on the grappling for the move in the grappling that came closest to ending the fight, which I would say is the rear naked choke. So I would go for the damage in the grappling realm. Yeah, which is okay. the, the elbows. So I can see so, either. I can see either close round. So 
that that criteria had me giving the first three rounds to Albazi, and I didn't do it as like an oh, I think that Car- Albazi is clearly winning any of these rounds. I thought he could have lost any of them. Yeah, but, I gave Kai the second round. I thought he had the volume. And so you know, you, you are here scoring every round for Kai Car France all the way through. But those first three rounds were brutally close. Especially the first and the second. Yeah. 100%. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I wanted, you know, like that was just where I was coming from. I was just like, yeah, you know, I think that the, uh, the grappling here is going to be, I, I think the fight here, you know, the judges are going to reward uh, Albazi for those first three rounds. So if I'm looking at it like that, then I I had it 49 or 48 47 Albazi and Tara France clearly won the last round. He he some judge gave Amir Albazi round four. Now that is the worst uh, thing here about that was that was D'Amato, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it yeah. might have been. That's criminal, dude. Like that's I pfft. Oh man, I don't but, understand, man. These are people's livelihoods that they're like. Well, yeah, but if they if they don't want their livelihood to be based on you know what kind of crap judging happens, then they're in the the wrong place. Like you can't, they can't just come in come in after the fact and be like, yeah, sure, I handed my career to your subjective opinion, but now yeah, your subjective but, opinion right, is slightly but, wrong. But, Point you being, ruined is, my life. That's bad judging, right? Like that's bad. Judging. I don't think I'm it was bad judging. The, the round four is round, bad judging. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's it's criminal. Oh, like that's Chris not Lee, a, apparently. So. Well, like there should be some sort of sanction or something. Like you're just gonna nothing happens. Like you just score that round like that, and there's no re- repercussions or anything. Like, well, you know, you know why it is. I know, is. but still, it's fucked up, man. Yeah. Oh, by the way, great fight. It, it is. <laughs> it, it is. It's a problem that doesn't have an easy solution. The, the solution is to make judging a real job, yeah, and to not make it so that it's something that people are doing that they get where they get paid by the promotion and paid by the event. Because you got people going out and working, you know, ten events a week at a couple hundred bucks per pop. And, or, you know, not a week, but whatever the case, yeah, whatever the case, like you have people basically scraping and running around constantly to cover all these events all the way through all the time. And they're doing it with up for for a couple, like really low money per event. They can't, they're not making a living at this and they can't really be held that accountable at it. They're essentially volunteering to do the work. And you can't, you can't really chase people out of volunteering if you don't have a wealth of people who want to judge because and judging sucks like it's a it's a no fun job that people don't want to do so it's tough you gotta i think i I wouldn't be against it i don't think i'd be opposed to it to to doing to being a judge yeah well the the opportunity's right there for you man there's Mm. nothing there's nothing stopping you from donating the next five years of your life to driving around to the tiniest regional MMA shows 
judge to get the experience necessary to maybe get a chance to judge a big card one day. Yeah, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, nah, but something needs to happen, man. It's it's really it's a black eye on the sport. And the uh, sport was made for black guys. I mean, you know. Yeah, not the not the judging though. Come on. I uh, know. It, it gets combat sports. At least it's not as bad as boxing, where like you see a boxing event and every time you're just like, oh wow, that fighter clearly won. But will they get this fight or will they get the the cards because it's in the other guy's hometown or the other guy was a clear favorite? So are two or three of the judges just going to clearly say, oh, the favorite was doing the better work? Right. That We don't see that in MMA. This, I think there's an argument here for Albazi. I don't, you know. I guess. I can see two rounds for Albazi. Three? Eh. No, I just would say one, two, and three were rounds one, two, and three were all brutally close. And if Kai Kara France was going to hang the best work of the fight for himself on rounds four and five, then he sunk himself in a hole. You know, what was the strike count in round two? Round two strike count was 16 for Kara France, 11 for Albazi. Okay. Big thing was early on, both men were really inaccurate. They were both throwing plenty, but they weren't landing a lot. So, as the fight went on, Car France started to find his range more and just started to press forward. Why well, he threw 104 strikes in round five? Yeah, that's <laughs> very flyweight. Yeah. Great fight, though, man. This was definitely yeah. a great fight. Even though I don't agree with the, the scoring, the fight itself was pretty damn good. Albazi yeah, proved that he he is elite. He is yeah. one of the very best. And I, he's probably going to get a title shot. He might. I mean, there's not, like, an obvious next person waiting in the wings. You got the big thing, I think, for probably the reason that uh, Figueredo got told not to go to bantamweight because – that seemed like a done deal for a minute. And then he turns around and he's like, oh, my team won't let me go to Bantamweight. Guess I'm staying at Flyweight. I would have to imagine that the reason he did that is because if Pantoja beats Moreno, then you got to assume Figueredo is right there waiting in the wings because he's yeah. already beat Pantoja. I guess you – so you think that's what they're doing with Figgy? They're going to – I mean, I think that's what Figgy's team is trying to angle for. At the very least, you might get Albazi versus Figueredo next. Yeah, that's what I was you getting know? at, which would be yeah. cool. That would be interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, sure. I'm not going to say no to it. Feel a little bad for Kara France, though. <sighs> yeah, yeah. He's the ally Quinta of city kickboxing in the Sarah Longo uh, city kickboxing comparison world where it's like two tiny camps that produce a whole bunch of really great fighters. Cara France seems more like he's destined to be that one outlier guy who you're like, oh man, he was really pretty good and just never could really climb the division. He climbed. He's number three in the world, dude. He well, yeah, the in division. a division of like fifteen dudes. But still, he's, you know, he competed for an interim title. He did. He did. It's true. Well, so did so did Ally Quinta. 
Was that a title fight against? Yeah, with with Khabib. Yeah. Was it a title fight? Wasn't it? I mean, it was the time. It was. Now you. Why do you? Why do you (laughs) ask these these questions? I feel like I don't want to just be pumping out wrong shit. For since when? Since, uh, since uh, hey, this is a new leaf. Oh, that was the vacant lightweight title. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that was for the vacant lightweight title. I knew it. What I knew it. Oh, so that's good. Uh, Al Quinta, he fought for a title too. On my comparisons. Well, too. shit, I Quinta fought for the undisputed title. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so yeah, I get you. I, I do feel a little bad for Cara France, but it, also at the flyweight in flyweight, I mean. Albazi got to a title shot in four fights. If Car France can stick around for another two or three years and just win a couple more fights, he can be right back in contention. Yeah, sure. And they could even, I mean, what if Albazi wins the belt and then, oh, rematch? Yeah, yeah. That would be exciting. Then everybody says, oh, you didn't actually beat this guy. You should have to fight him again. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's what Alex Caceres is banking on in the co-main event here when he called out, uh, when he called out uh, Yair yeah, Rodriguez, yeah. yeah, he's saying he wants Yair to beat Alex Volkanovsky so he can get a rematch. It's like, man, that fight <clears throat> was 10 years ago? When did he fight Yair Rodriguez? In 2016. That fight was seven years ago. And lost to time for many, many fans. Many, many people have never seen that fight because for like eight years, longer even than the fight was been out. For, for like five years, not eight years. For five years, the UFC didn't ever upload it to Fight Pass. So you couldn't actually go back and rewatch it. Damn. Interesting. So, yeah, I think it's up on there now. But for a long time, it was just kind of gone. It's a really cool fight. Uh, but, yeah, let's jump into talking about this co-main event. Because Caceres versus Pineda was fantastic. Absolutely. And I, I knew it was going to be just too... Just veterans, two complete, complete fighters. No matter where it was going to go, it was going to be fun. It was going to be exciting. And we got every bit of that. Near submissions, crazy scrambles, damage on the feet, body shots. I mean, uh, late knockdowns. Everything you could ever want in a fight was in this one here. It was that good. Yeah, it was awesome. And I mean, part of that too is that like Caceres is a dude who – Whatever fight you bring to him, he will have. You want a brawl, Caceres will have a brawl. You want to have an outside rangey kickboxing fight, he'll have an outside rangey kickboxing fight. You want to grapple, Caceres will grapple. Whatever it is, he will do. And Pineda is a dude who the only thing he's thinking about is like, how can I hurt this person as violently as possible? I will throw every ounce of my energy, every ounce of my will, every idea, game plan, playbook out the window just for another opportunity to hurt to hurt this guy. It's great. I, I yeah. fucking love it, man. I love the way he fights. And this stylistic matchup was just it was every it lived up to what I thought it was gonna be. And that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, that was awesome. It was an awesome fight. Love to see it. Caceres letting letting uh Pineda re- right back into it in round two, getting out grappled, getting controlled getting beat up a little, and then just storming back in the third round with those body kicks and those body shots. Really, like, Pineda was in full Derek Lewis mode. Like, you know, the cover in the belly, 
getting ready to go out swanging with the huge punches. It was a ton of fun. I think one of the coolest parts uh, during that whole body shot sequence, you know, Pineda's hurt visibly. He would get hurt to the body and then Caceres would like one, two, one, two, and just, and Pineda's still worried about covering the body. So he wasn't even blocking them. So the referee just started getting closer and closer and closer to Pineda. Right. And so Pineda's like notices it. And he just like, looks at the ref and was just like, get out of here, dude. Like, what are you doing? And the ref's like, you got to fight. But then, and he did. Pineda picked it up, started going after Bruce Leroy, and actually dropped him at the end of the third in, in one of the craziest fights ever. This yeah, better, no. win, better win fight of the night. It it, it had to. It had it to. Better. I can't imagine. Yeah, like this there's... is this is. I would watch this fight for fun. That's how. Yeah. That's how great it was. It was a great one. It was awesome. Loved it. Now, I've already, we already got somebody in our chat here shitting on. My idea, the fight I want to see, which is Alex Caceres versus Edson Barboza. Who the just, other fight. Someone just called him out, though. Who was that called out Barboza? Maybe last week or not last week, the week before, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, Edson Barboza, a good, dude, everybody wants to call out. It was a good one. Sure. Either way, yeah. I want to see that. Or Dane, Dane, he uh, dropped this idea over on our Substack, which is uh, Alex Caceres should have called out uh, Bryce Mitchell. Mm. Nah, that's a horrible call out. Yeah, I that's mean, a terrible be, call out, Zane. It'd be fun. I mean, there's a point. I, I get that there's a point where Caceres is just calling out fights that he could that he's probably going to lose but he's a ranked featherweight if he's going to fight anyone up in that division i don't know that there's one fight in the top 15 at featherweight that i would pick caseras to win and the only fights he wants are fight fighters ranked above him uh. <clears throat> Who's the dude who Caceres is going to beat? You know, if I'm going up this list, you got Edson Barboza. Probably not. Danny Gay. No. Sadiq Youssef already lost that fight. Bryce Mitchell. Going to strangle him. Mozart Ivlouev would <laughs> exactly. absolutely wrestle the hell out of him. Ilya Tapuria would blast him. Giga Chikadze would blast him. I mean, I guess you could do Caceres versus Chan Sung Jung. There it is. That's there it, it is. That, that's that's it. it. Yeah, that is it. Chan, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe he's still ranked number seven because, I mean, he did beat Danny Gay to keep that, but the Korean Zombie has not been looking. Uh, uh, no, for sure, he's he's you know yeah he's on the on the decline, on it almost on his way to the glue factory, as they say. But uh, yeah. man, that he honestly, man, he could do it. Get the Korean zombie, go for Brian Ortega, let the chips fall where they may. Well, yeah, I mean the chips with Brian Ortega. That's are... his path. That's his path. Yeah. I I, I the anyway, Alex Harris, Korean zombie. All right, we we puzzled through it. <laughs> I will go. I will go for that because. If he wants to fight the division, I just can't think of any fights up there that he's going to win. But that one, 
I would at least because even then, if, even if he's not going to win that fight, I want to see it. I, I want to see Korean Zombie go out on a fight he can win. I don't want to see him get fed to like Ilya Tapuria, and they're like, yeah, this is you know last big fight for Korean Zombie before he retires in Korea in front of all of his right. family. That's the glue you know? factory. Yeah, exactly. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout: Jim Miller, Jesse Butler, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you know, so often these guys come in on short notice, and like the the best chance they have is to go out there and just blitz the hell out of their opponent. Try to go out, pour everything on, be as wild as possible. Like, you know this guy hasn't been training for you. You know you don't have a gas tank to lean on. You've got two or three days worth of training. Just go out there and go nuts and try to make something happen. And Miller was the one who out there who instead was just like, screw it. You're not ready for me. I am going to stomp you. Total sunning. He sunned him. Absolutely sunned him. I mean... Ne- this is this is the coldest knockout we've ever seen from Jim Miller at what is he 38 39 something like that mm-hmm. and he like that's that's a loss that'll make you rethink your career choice like i got slept by the guy that strangles everyone yeah this was this was bad too because he knocks him out with this beautiful counter left and man, the poor guy, he, he was knocked out, but the octagon cage caught him. Yeah. And so he was out but slumped on the cage, and Miller didn't know he was out. And so Miller's already coming with the second one, and it just landed. I mean, full on Jim Miller as hard as he can with his power left hand to an unconscious person, put him out even further, leg all backwards, and dude was down for a minute. He got Nell marked. He yeah. got. He got slept bad. He, was, he got baptized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a hell of a way to be, introduced, to be introduced to the UFC. Now, the funny thing with Miller is at this point, off a win like that, is that pretty much lightweight is full of dudes. For a, dude, for a guy who has fought everybody, there are still so many fights I want to see Jim Miller in right now. We even got somebody in our chat here who's saying he's never fought Bobby Green. I would watch the hell out of Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. Or I, you know me, I've been campaigning constantly for Jim Miller versus Patty Pimblett. I think if we're going to keep doing this whole Patty Pimblett thing, that's still a fight I want to see. Absolutely. I mean, anybody. And or we just had it could we, rematches are fine. Sure, sure. Drag Joe Lowe's on out of retirement for the fifth yeah, time. Yeah, sure. No. We got. We just had Carlos Diego Ferreira sleep Michael Johnson and like uh, with a knockout of the year candidate. I'd watch Jim Miller, Carlos Diego Ferreira. See, that makes me a little concerned for Miller, and I don't know what that means. I got to explore that. I'm. Uh, I I understand. Yeah, it makes sense. It's not like Fajardo looked great against Johnson. He was losing pretty much all of that fight up until he knocked him cold. Yeah, that could be more of a just a Michael Johnson being Michael Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just but saying. You think Miller's going to make it to 300? Yeah, I don't think there's any stopping him at this point. I mean, we're 
We're at UFC 294 uh, planned out that far. We had UFC 289 coming up next. UFC 300 is just next year. Yeah. You know? True. He'll be around next year. Man, Hall of Famer for sure. Hey, if they like Cowboy in, you got to let Jim Miller in. He's got – um, he's tied – or no, he's second for most finishes in UFC history at 17. That's insane. Yeah. Dude, All right, better, that, dude, he was fighting with Lyme disease. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I still – I am amazed – that we have the we have a third stage in Miller's career because we had like the first early Jim Miller, awesome fighter everybody loves, and then we had the like kind of sad, kind of slowed down, kind of losing now older Jim Miller, and I thought you know and that was the Lyme disease era Miller, and I really thought that was like that's just what we were gonna see. He's gonna ride out of the sunset as a man. That guy was a great action fighter. We all loved him so much. Then he got Lyme disease, and it's a shame that took his career away the fact that we have a whole third post Lyme disease jim miller that is still having fun and winning fights and looking looking good i love it he's eternal he should yeah. be celebrated he's a he's a national treasure that's right if if uh james krause can make bryce mitchell a national treasure for wearing socks filled with cum then we can make Jim Miller a national treasure for actually being a fun fighter. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> move, move, okay. Flyweight bout, Tim Elliott, Victor Altamirano. And this was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was good to see Tim Elliott ride through a rough patch in his life. That is really what this felt like. Because he got a Pretty gift opponent in Victor Altamirano, who was giving up every takedown that Tim Elliott wanted. And Tim <laughs> Elliott. Some of the worst takedowns I've ever seen, just like hunched over with two hands. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> just like a chasing takedown. He didn't actually like touch him. Yeah. It was, but he got them and he stayed on top of Altamirano and he beat him up and he got that win. And even after the fight, like, he's still in a bad place. It still didn't help him at all. He's just still out there like, yeah, I didn't do anything I wanted to do. I didn't, wasn't very fun. I had to regress a bunch and go back to all my old shit and all that. And I just want to be like, dude, your coach and your wife both left you for totally different reasons just take the win and you know let's all be happy because that shit was that's a terrible place to be in yeah man that's uh kind of worried about him actually that's that's not a good place for sure and the life of a fighter isn't easy no it's uh it's concerning man honestly it's concerning i don't like seeing that i hope i hope he's okay yeah, I mean, I think mostly he was for. Hopefully, it was mostly competitive impulse where he's just like, man, I should have done. You know, I've been working on a bunch of stuff. I didn't get to show it. I want to show more than that kind of thing. But yeah, you do have to worry that he's just saying. You know, he's also out there like, man, I had a really hard camp and everything just didn't go. And like, 
you know, we we have some inf- insight. We know that things weren't. We we know some of the problems there. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm glad he got the win. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like uh, when Mackenzie Dern went out and what she did to Angela <laughs> Hill, just like taking out her personal life on her. That's right. That's right. Divorce is the new base of MMA. <laughs> <laughs> Screw wrestling. Screw jujitsu. Getting served your papers like right on the way to the octagon. Yeah. Losing half your shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's that's the new the new <laughs> I think we just solved the Rubik's Cube, dude. That's right. That's right. We've got it. We've got it figured out now. My staff picks will only be based on their uh, marital status. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can see some wild line swings coming up if we ever hear about any but any future champions' marital trouble. All right. That brings us though to a woman's flyweight bout: Kareen Silva, Kareen Silva, Ketlin Souza. Oh, real and, quick, before that, uh, someone in the chat is asking where they can find our predictions. Bloodyelbow.com on our sub stack. Go check it out. We're waiting yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the dot com, our staff picks should still be there here. Let me actually, since I've got them right in front of me, I will go ahead and drop them into the chat. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, hey, asking you shall receive. That's that's first rate service there, Zane. Right, right. All right. Kareen Silva, Ketlin Souza. And I will say that going into this, I wasn't really that into it. I was like, okay, Karini Silva, she looks like the more complete fighter. I'll pick her. Uh, but both women are kind of low output strikers. I hope, you know, I'm not counting on any finish or anything, hoping that just see somebody go out there and have a good performance. And Karini Silva, she. She went out there and she put it on Ketlin Souza, like, and not even just the knee, that knee bar, or that that really was an ankle lock that threw the knee out of joint, which is fucking terrible. Um, but even before that, she went out there and she's like doubling and tripling up on her on on her jab. She's throwing kicks. She's pressuring hard getting right in on that takedown right away. And it's just like, you know, for somebody like her who is in her late twenties, she's been doing MMA for like six or seven years. As somebody else noted in our chat, she looked at weight class three. She, she is a weight class bigger. Ketlin Souza is probably a natural uh, straw weight and just hasn't had to reckon with that uh, since going to Invicta and fighting in the flyweight division. But, uh, she, you know, for somebody like her who's had as much experience as she's had and is hitting the point where she should be kind of hitting her athletic prime, to see her go out there and be more dedicated and be more aggressive and be, you know, like pursuing a finish that hard yeah. like that. Just concise. Like she yeah. knew she had a game plan. She knew exactly what she wanted to do. And she went out and did it with very little to no resistance at all. And holy shit, dude! She yeah. dropped. She dropped back for the straight ankle. Like she yeah. dropped back. Can like, <laughs> like 
like a Surogan Francis Naganu style, <laughs> but like it, it it paid off, man. Yeah, it's it's a, there's a big difference in dropping for the ankle on Ketlin Souza and dra- dropping for the ankle on uh, Francis Naganu. All that torque, the torque yeah. she put into that. Oh my god! Oh yeah, no. that was an instant explosion of the knee. Instant. That was one of those things where you Ketlin Souza should have been tapping right away, but you can't even really blame her because it only took like two seconds for the knee to just explode and the I, the commentary actually um i don't remember who said it uh but but during the the blackshear demon blackshear fight mm-hmm. when uh who did he fight uh, uh lacerda yeah yeah lacerda kept rolling for the knee bar and and the commentary was like yeah knee bars or leg locks are one of those things where uh you're you're really fine and you feel like you're as safe as can be until you're not it's like an all or nothing thing the second it, that that submissions applied all hell breaks loose and the world is ending but until yeah. then there's like no pain it's like you know you might be in danger but it's you don't feel it until it's too late yeah no i i, I say i can't really blame her for getting caught out like that it just sucks that it could derail a whole lot of her career you know uh, yeah, the next several months is going to suck for her. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate. Great, great win for Silva. Get her moving up the division, fighting. You know, I I don't know somebody Marina Morose or like uh, Angela Lee or An- Andrea Lee rather, or you know somebody like that. Give her a bump because she's. She's right where she needs to be at this point in her career. That if she's if she's putting together wins like that, just throw her in, you know. Yeah, let her let her keep you know snatching limbs. Why not? Yeah. Somebody just did coming in here. Do y'all read chat like we haven't been doing that for five? What is this with these kids today? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, let's talk about welterweight the welterweight bout then. Elizu Zaleski, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Now, this one I am feeling proud of. Me as well, Zane. <laughs> yeah, because I, I have zero faith in Abu Bakar. Yeah, I, I have zero faith, like none. I don't. I don't think he can do three hard rounds. I, I think he he always he, not always he seems to peter out in them. Um, and he yeah, it's, is it's, not. He's not Khabib. Like it's, he's it's not, not. He's not only is he not Khabib, but anyway, uh, he's he's not even not Khabib. It's just the problem that his own offense throws him into the worst part of his. It throws him into a spin into a spiral where like his own success, his own takedowns, his own grappling. As he's doing that, it's going to get him tired. So that was the thing for me. Is like Zaleski, he's been easy to take down in the past. He's been uh, a hard, you know, he, he's been a fighter that gets stuck on the ground before. And he's, but he's never been an easy fighter to put away. So my read on this was just like, maybe Abu Bakar can get him down. But if he can't, then, or even if he can if he if he's not going to put Zaleski away easily, Zaleski's really dangerous. Zaleski is 
He's going rough. to yeah. He is rough. He is a fighter. He, he is really prickly, is. very prickly. Everything mm-hmm. he does hurts. And I just don't I yeah, I don't want to call him soft. I'm not saying Abubakar is soft, but compared to some of the guys he came up with, it's not there. Yeah. It's not there. I mean, I think part of it is that he's probably just not that natural of an athlete, and he's been right. pushed his whole life to be at a really high athletic level. And that, you know, that uh, the problem with that at some point is that to compete with much better athletes, you have to push yourself way harder than they do. And you're just going to get, you know, like you're going to get more tired. You're not going to be able to maintain the same kind of competitive edge round after round that somebody who's just a far better athlete than you he's, can. Uh, he's not a dog. Yeah. Zaleski's a dog. Yeah. Abubakar, not a dog. Talent, skills, yes. Yeah. Dog, nah. I mean, it's honestly, too, like I was even th- saying watching him fight – He's been really well coached. Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably one of the best coaches of all time. He's got really solid basics. Like you know, he's a he's a sambo wrestling guy. He's not going to be a the total most natural food striker out there, but he's put together like a really basic fundamental. I throw a jab. I throw a lot of front kicks and body kicks and things like that. I. I keep space between myself and my opponent so I can set up the things I want to do. He's got a good, reliable game, striking game he can fall back on. It's just the transition between those strikes and the wrestling is really difficult because the dynamics and the power aren't aren't there. Yeah, especially, and, in, especially in the clinch, clinch separations. It's, yeah. It's, he's still thinking grappling and he's eating knees. Yeah. You know, it's, this was a bad matchup for him. Yeah, a Somebody, really bad matchup. Couple, a couple suggestions coming out of the chat. We got Zaleski versus Ponzi, and Zaleski versus Holland next. And uh, I, my, per, I personally wish that Gunnar Nelson was still what wasn't in like semi retirement because <laughs> I want to see Zaleski versus Nelson. But I would also. I mean, I'm not going to say no to Zaleski versus Holland or Ponzi. I also the the other first thing that popped to my or popped into my mind would be uh, Zaleski versus uh, Buckley. Ooh, okay, right. I, I he's I, I think he's trying to fight Brian Battle right now. I saw them Facetime each other the other day. Oh, I don't give a shit about that. I know they both are coming off of great knockouts, but yeah. Yeah, but Brian, I mean, Brian Battle has been, he's been proving more than I thought he would. He's been, I can't, I can't be down on him. He's not looking bad, but I have yet to actually technically care about Brian Battle, really. And yeah, I want to see Zaleski fight Joaquin Buckley. That's, that's much more of a, you know, alpha dog versus alpha dog kind of matchup. I get it. I get it. Would be fun as hell, like all the capoeira stuff and all all the stuff Buckley likes to do. Like it would just be they both fight in that same sort of like let me start a mile away from you and then fling myself into you at a car crash with 
the wildest select a strike I can I can mat I can think of. What was crazy is Zaleski got rocked by Abubakar at the beginning of the match. Yeah. And yeah. I swear I I I'm I'm almost positive that was due to the layoff because mm-hmm. Zaleski's been out for so long and I and fight speed is so different than anything else. So I think he just wasn't quite ready for the speed of a live fight and it kind of caught him off guard. Um, but after that, man, I thought he he ran shop, and I can't yeah. even believe this was a split decision. That's criminal too. Yeah, 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 criminal, dude. How the fuck was this a split decision? Let me see. Let me. Try, I'm trying to remember how. Like, I don't want to just be the guy out here who justifies every weird scorecard in the book. I know that that's kind of what I've fallen into in in life, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. Abu, Abu Bakar did have a, a whole bunch of t- of control in round two, but that really shouldn't have counted for much. Yeah, not at all. So I'm glad that two judges out of three got it right. Who got it wrong? Who was the judge that got it wrong? I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I don't know if you got the scorecards. It's not that important. I don't care. You do care. Don't lie. I don't care. I, I just, I wonder if it was the same guy, Chris Lee, from the uh, main event. Let's see. I got it in front of me now. Cleary had it. Okay. Had it the other way. Mm-hmm. And it was actually it was uh <laughs> Mr. Magoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cleary, yeah. Okay. It was Mr. Magoo. He was the right. he, he was the judge. Shout out Nick Rodriguez. <laughs> With your 60s Hanna Barbera references coming in here. He knows how old we are. <laughs> All right. That brings us to a bantamweight bout down on the prelims here. Daniel Santos, Johnny Munoz Jr. And um I I was making a lot of like my call on this whole thing was like, man, Johnny Munoz Jr. has a nice jab and nothing else to his game coming into this. Turns out he has a really terribly planned out guard game too that I didn't know about because he all he it was cool for like 30 seconds or a minute in round one and then it got him wrecked all the rest of the way I think the second round could have been a 10-8 yeah I wouldn't have argued with that he got the shit beat out of him I don't he maybe landed three strikes maybe from his back but he got that's, the sh- man that's a that he landed six strikes to 29 in round two Jesus. while giving up four minutes of con- of control as well. Yeah. I would, I, I mean, I'm always a fan of giving those kinds of rounds, 10 eights. I don't think somebody should have to get almost finished to get a 10, eight round. It should just be any clear dominance. Like, landslide of dominance. Yeah. So either way, Pretty good fight for Santos. He went a little mental when he got the point taken from him in round three and just started charging at Munoz, but it didn't end up costing him anything. And, uh, yeah, Munoz, like, he really has cobbled together one of the oh, – uh, Herb took a point for dick kicks. There were, like, ten of them, and Munoz, to the point – it was, the last one hit the inner thigh and slid up to the dick. Yeah. But the the thing to remember is 
points are taken not necessarily for the intentionality of the foul, although that can be a criteria, but for the impact the foul had on the fight, at which point Munoz was dry heaving on the mat. So <laughs> they brought in the bucket. The yeah, they, bucket. they had to brought it, bring in the bucket. It was a Chris Tuescher kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Munoz, he has one of the weirdest cobbled together games I've ever seen. It's just like a jab, the occasional like flying knee, and then guard pulls. Yeah, it's it's not functional. <laughs> it's like a hodgepodge. But Santos, though, man, I like his style. I like how aggressive yeah. he is. Yeah, no, I unchecked. Mean, some, I mean, you might say he's over aggressive. He, but... he is. He's been training with with uh, Charles Oliveira for years, and it uh, it shows. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's like he fights fast, but he's able to think at the same speed. So when he does get out of position, like he's tremendously quick about making the right moves to escape harm's way and get back to business. So, yeah, lots of like there. Yeah, he's he's a fun fighter. Um, I mean, it's probably wild to a fault for a lot of opponents, but I love watching him fight. All right, that brings us to a heavyweight bout. Dante Mays, Andre Arlovsky, and had to happen. Arlovsky is finally getting old enough that he's just losing to guys now. Mm-hmm. Not even guys that are better boxers than him or guys with obviously way more power than him or something. It's just guys. Dante Mays is just guys. And it doesn't get much lower. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like what what do you do like if I, I if I'm looking at the UFC's budget control idea, I have to imagine that Arlovsky is at the top of their cut list cuz man makes like 400 grand a fight for this. And all of his fights, I'm never going to I'm never going to tell anybody say anybody should get cut. I'm happy Arlovsky's out there getting paid. But like I don't I can't remember the last time that I enjoyed a fight Arlovsky won for the sake no. of like for the action in the cage, you know? Oh man. Or not for a good reason, you know. Or you said that he won. Yeah. Yeah, like the last yeah, problem Travis Brown, dude. <laughs> Yeah, you, <laughs> which that is uh, yeah, you're going. That's 2015. You're going back. So, I you know, I don't want the guy to leave, but it is hard to see what if you're the UFC book matchmakers. Like, what are you booking? I my matchmaking column. You know, I do the fights to make for us every week and all that. I got Waldo Cortez Acosta in there because, like, <laughs> that's all I can think of. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Just Anyways, this, this fight's super depressing, but I'll tell you a little yep. funny story. Make it real quick. So I'm at Karate Combat's event, right, last mm-hmm. um, last month, and I'm sitting pit, uh, pit side, right? And one of the Karate Combat guys, Mac Malley, he's doing their social media. He's filming whatever. They had that little brawl breakout, right? So he's filming the brawl, and Arlovsky is pit side, standing there right next to him. 
So he films the, the brawl and pans over just a little bit to catch Arlovsky's reaction. Arlovsky smacks the phone out of his hand. It falls into the pit. The referee does this Spider-Man jump over it and picks it up. And it's like it's like an MMA like weird dream. It's like this is real. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like it's out there somewhere. If you go find the clip, it's nuts. It's like huh. it's like karate and a there's a but there's a brawl and now our laugh. Yeah, I remember seeing. Phone. I remember seeing the the brawl. I did. I, I missed Andre Arlovsky smacking the phone though. Yeah. It's. Uh. It's madness. Yeah, well, maybe that's the kind of fight that Arlovsky's more geared to these days. Smacking media members around. <laughs> you know. All right, that brings us to a Bantamweight bout. Oh, yeah, somebody's asking, though, were you in the seats when it happened? Yes, I was. I was. But I was yeah. not harmed in the making of the video. All right. Bantamweight bout next. John Castaneda. Muin Gafarov. Now this fight is really and truly pretty wild from a scoring from a scoring point of view. Because Muin Gafarov absolutely dominated 95% of two rounds of this fight and didn't even get didn't even win one round. <laughs> Yeah. Like he he dominated 95% of round one and then got hurt badly enough that you're like, well, you gotta give that to Castaneda. You can't give that to Gafarov. He comes out in round two, and he's absolutely dominating Castaneda again and gets a point taken for the headbutt. And that was a legit point taking, because mm-hmm. like Gafarov was leaping head first into Castaneda with his hands trailing behind his head and then punching after his head connected. Like, you can say he wasn't intending to headbutt him, but if he wasn't intending to, then he was really doing it all wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, you. You can get in, into semantics and be like, yeah, yeah, well, okay, you weren't headbutting, but you were cla- trying to clash heads. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not, nah, it's, yeah, you can't leave with your head. That's, that's dangerous. And if you want to talk about rule changes, I'm all, hey, I love me some left way. You want to, you want to do headbutts? Fine. Cool. But the rules got to change for that. Um, yeah. Well, this was we'll so get, we'll much. We'll get Louis Gafarov into. We'll get him into one of those Scottish MMA promotions where, like, <laughs> they're big on the headbutting. And... Sure, sure. Yeah. Or we get him over in Burma or somewhere over there. There we go into some Lethwe. So yeah, some bare knuckle Lethwe. I'm I'm here for that. But uh, man, this, the pace. I I just, ah, man, this guy has two two hard rounds of chaos in him. And mm-hmm. that could be very tough to deal with. So credit to Castaneda for weathering the storm. And yeah, then storming back and like beating Gafarov, like really taking it to him in round three, you know? Yeah. Once that gas was gone, Castaneda showed his, showed his experience mm-hmm. and, and MMA'd him. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like Castaneda won the fight. No, he <laughs> lost two rounds, really, like <laughs> almost entirely. He got a head kick in round one. It was a cool one. Castaneda, I love him. 
but uh you know I, I picked him to win i'm happy he won but it definitely is like the kind of thing where you're if you're looking at somebody who has more chance i'm not saying that gaffrov will because there's somebody else nick here note, noted in the chat gaffrov can't throw a straight punch not wrong um I'm not saying he will, but if you're picking the guy who has more of a chance of competing in the elite of the division someday, Gafarov is the dude who has the athletic potential to get to that level, whereas Castaneda is, you know, a sort of surviving on heart and slickness kind of, you know. Sure, and basic fundamentals. Yeah. Basic fundamentals, yeah. So. Yeah. Fun fight though, man. Like this yeah, was it. Fun as I, hell. I couldn't take my eyes off it. I just yeah. couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like this is the UFC, and someone's coming out here just spamming haymakers. Yeah, just going, just going ham on a dude. Yeah, it's it looked personal. <laughs> it, it did. All right, that brings us to a lightweight bout: Muhammad Naimov, J, uh, Naimov against Jamie Malarkey. And, man, Malarkey, he looked like he had this fight in complete control for seven minutes and 50 seconds. Just seemed like, yeah, he's he's touching him up from range. He's getting into the clinch. And, like, even if he's not holding Naimov down a lot, he's tiring him out with grappling, making him work a lot. Just doing, you know, the the Jamie Malarkey kind of quadruple a level pro mma fight kind of kind of thing a very solid basic pro mma game and then he walked into the perfect counter man it's so funny because i was watching the fights with my girlfriend and you know malarkey's out there doing his thing and like the round is just it's going by and like he's doing everything right and he's hurting hurting the guy and he's making all the right moves but I'm just like, man, he's letting him hang around. Like, why is he doing this? Like, you got to take this guy out now. Like, the guy looks like a deer in headlights. You have him backing up, skirting against the cage. You got to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. This guy is too fucking dangerous on the feet to let him hang around. Yeah. And Malarkey found out the hard way, man. Biggest, the biggest betting underdog on the card. Yeah. So. Which is a little weird because I think I was saying going into like Jamie Malarkey, he's not bad, but like it's not a person that I would ever be like, oh no, Jamie Malarkey, he's the dude that you absolutely, you know, you want him, you're going to put him at heavy favorite odds over somebody, you know? Well, he was, he was, he was the card's biggest betting dog until his fight got canceled. And then yeah. this, this came in, and then he became the, the card's biggest betting favorite. Yeah, he's a bit like Damon Jackson, where you can look at his record, and and you'd be like, oh, wow, he, you know, he wins a lot of fights. And then you actually watch him in a fight, and you're like, oh, wow, he has very close calls in a lot of fights he wins, too, you know? Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, Definitely a lot of fun. fun. But rough loss for him, great win for Naimov. Uh, I actually think they should just – Stick him right back in with the Aussies and fight, have him fight Jack Jenkins uh, down at featherweight. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Get him in another fun action fight. Nah, both of him and, and uh, uh, what's his face? Gafarov. Both of them, I, I will not miss any of their fights ever. Sure. 
Now you get a chance, your moment. Well, hold on real quick. Uh, All right. I like the fact that um, Nyamov took this fight short notice, moving up to lightweight, right? Malarkey yeah, yeah. looks so much bigger. Malarkey looks huge out there because Nyamov fights at 145. So he gets yeah. on the microphone. He's like, yeah, 155, whatever. Call me next week. I'll fight at welterweight. But I tell you this, featherweights, y'all have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was a great call out. It, it was, was it was it was fun. He he took a shot at the champ. He took he took a shot at Max Holloway. Is is beating Jamie Malarkey the path to beating Alexander Volkanovsky? I don't think it is. No, but I'm gonna I'm never gonna dig a fighter for being confident in themselves after getting a win. You know that you gotta you gotta have your fun. You gotta feed the monkey. Yeah. All right. Now it's your chance though. Okay. To, to gas up your girl. <laughs> War Reed, man. This was fantastic. Um the fight, I mean, obviously in, in a vacuum isn't you you would probably not watch it again. But mm-hmm. um for me, it, it was fantastic because Jen Yu Fry, talented, um she was just so one-dimensional out there trying to get these takedowns and doing absolutely nothing with them. And that I, does not get rewarded in modern day MMA. I will say this round one was the best round Fry has fought in like five or six years. It's the best round of her UFC career by far. She was out striking Reed on the feet and out wrestling her every time Reed tried to close her down. It was a Great. I was like, who, who, where is this? Who is this Ginny Fry? Because this is not the fighter I would have expected at all. And then Reed settled down a little and actually started getting her kicking game going in round two. And it was just like, oh, okay, it's that Ginny Fry again. There, there is the shelled up. I'm not, I don't know how to handle this kind of volume and pressure. And if I, if I wrestle you, I'm just going to lay on you version of Ginny Fry. And from that point, Reed took over. No, she, Jenny Fry had a great opening round, but she still came out of it with a giant hematoma over her eye, which I don't even know how it happened. Maybe from the yeah. elbows from Reed on her back. Um, but yeah, man, um, Reed, like you hold someone there and they get up and start striking and hitting, throwing anything at you, you deserve to lose. Yeah. So I'm. I'm glad because uh, the commentary were man, they were the, dick, the dick riding hard. They were dick riding so fucking hard that shit was irritating. It was yeah. irritating. They're like, oh yeah, Fry definitely took the second round. It's like she didn't land anything, like yeah. nothing. It, it was disgusting, but I'm glad the judges got it right because you know that kind of just controlling top pressure compared to striking just cannot you can't reward it indeed more least read there you go there you go (laughs) that brings to a bantamweight bout demon black cheer luan lacerda and i'm glad to see as i picked lacerda going in here i but my thing was just like man i actually really like demon black cheer the way he fights but i just have never seen him turn it up and like make something happen out of that at this level. You know, when it, it, his last couple of fights in UFC, he has really fun scrambles. He made, he, he had a good draw against uh, Yusuf Zalal. And then he came out and looked pretty flat 
against uh, Farid Basharat. And it's just like, man, I think Luan Lacerda is pretty good. I don't know what uh, Blackshear is necessarily going to do there. And Blackshear came out, and he looked like he was keyed in. He looked like he was absolutely ready to go, knew he had to turn it up and do something bigger than he'd done before. And he came out with a lot of volume. He came out with a lot of wrestling. He came out with firing on all cylinders. And he made Luan Lacerda pay badly for hanging on to a leg lock when he could not turn it into an immediate submission and didn't have any interest in turning it into a sweep. Like, if you if you jump on a leg like that and you're not close to getting it, getting into a knee bar or getting into a heel hook, you got to turn that into control. Like, you can't, you can't ride the leg like that. Uh you can, well, <laughs> but it's risk, it, there's a big cost. I mean, look what happened to Gary yeah. Tonin over in one. Mm-hmm. Right? He's one of the best grapplers ever, and and he totally got shit kicked diving on a leg. And you know that's MMA. That's that's the beauty of it. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, we saw we saw that nasty leg lock earlier. You know what I mean? That worked yeah. out great. Cool. You're a hero and a genius. You drop back for it too. Had that not worked yeah. out, people were like, oh, that was stupid. Why would you ever do that? Um, but I honestly, I think Lacerda petered out from that first D bar attempt that was really close. Yeah. He, he emptied his gas tank trying to get that thing, and it was close, but he really had to use all of his all of his reserves. Like you saw him back on the yeah. feet after that, and he was no, so he was labored. tired. His his form was keeping him alive for a while after that because Blackshear is just a lot more unstructured and wild on the feet, but he was definitely gassed. It's just, I mean, the difference, you know, with the Kareem Silva leg lock is, you know, she drops for it. She goes for it. She's in the, the submission position. Like, you're right there. You're on it. You're, you got to the, you got to the successful spot where you should be keeping this. Yeah. But Lucerta didn't get to that spot. He got halfway there and just got stuck. And that's the point where it's like, you can't just be sitting here on this waiting to see if you can work it into something else. And and like he his submission attempts were essentially defenses for the wrestling of the moment. Yeah. They, that was his answer. Instead of, you know, like you said, sweeping or even trying to get back to his feet, he would roll for the legs, which yeah. hey, is great if it works. But this is <laughs> this is yeah. what happens when keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised. I liked Luan Lacerda's game coming into the UFC, but uh, it's been a couple of hard out out uh, hard fights for him going in. So, yeah, I, you know, somebody else suggesting that uh, Lacerda won't be in the UFC this time next year. I could see it. Um, definitely, definitely not a good two fight start to his UFC career. I mean, and like the Cody Stamen fight, that was a cl- good close fight and Stamen's a hard dude to beat. So I, I didn't credit him for losing that, but Blackshear was a big step back and he took a much worse loss. All right. That brings us to a light heavyweight bout, Felipe Linz, Maxim Grishin. And uh, this fight sucked. So I kind of don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh no, it's not great. Uh, credit to Felipe Lins for just throwing bombs. I'm glad he does that. Um, yeah. You know. And then he tied it up and slowed it down, and then it got ugly. And Yeah, that's that's Grishin, what it was. 
frustrating me. He was having so yeah. much success with his haymakers, but would just use that for these wrestling entries that meant nothing. And, and if, if Corner kept telling him to shoot and to try to get takedowns, then it's clear he couldn't out wrestle Grecian. And so you're just like, why am I? Why am I watching this? Well, that's why it's opening the show. Yeah, yeah. And credit credit to Mick Maynard. He knows how to book a prelim opener, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, man. What's his deal? What's his beef? I don't know. Anyway. Yes, we do. We do know. Zane. We do know. We. I, well, I'm just going to say I don't know. I don't need to bring it up. But uh, anyway, back to the top. Amir Albazi, Kai Kara, France. And is it a robbery? In my heart. In your heart. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. I Two rounds were close. We're we're close to enough to be swing rounds in my opinion, but that's not. I don't know, dude. Uh, Albazi got outstruck. He got outstruck. Uh, I, I, I will say that it was just. I will say three rounds were close and ugly, and leave it at that. I I can see. I was not surprised Albazi won that fight. Is what I'll say. For those of you subscribed to our Substack, we will have. Uh, some some bonus content over on a stub Substack show that we're going to jump over and record, and that'll be released later. So check that out. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, The 6th Round Retro, The Show Money Podcast, The MMA Depressed Us, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, and The Return of the MMA Bunker.